You're listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Well, good morning, church. Good morning, church. Man, give it up for Vintage Worship. How about it? And just how awesome they are. Throughout the morning, I've been singing so hard, I was pretty sure I was going to pass out. One morning, I'm going to do that. Y'all just pretend I'm slain in the spirit and keep on moving, okay? Uh, but they do such an amazing job, and it's such an uh, honor just to be here worshiping with you guys today and experiencing uh, your presence. Uh, they're, they're not that good because they didn't grab my table, so uh, I'll come get it, but that's okay. Give them a hard time. If you are uh, here today and today and Venice Church is your home and this is a part of your family, um, welcome, man. Can I just say it's an honor that you allow us to minister to you and to your family every Sunday. And just the opportunity that you give us, if this is your church home, to invest in you every week, it's, it's a pleasure. And, uh, and every week, you, I hope you realize that there's more happening on this campus than happens in this room. Would you also show some love for our Vintage Kids volunteers <laughs> who do an amazing job back there. Um, They are not here on Sunday to babysit your children so you can come in this room. They are back there inspiring the next generation to live and love like Jesus. And they are very intentional with the way they design that program back there. And it is just awesome. And I'm grateful for Sananda, our children's pastor, and her team because my kids get to grow up in that ministry. And they're raising some world changers back there. Amen. So let's just celebrate that. It's uh, I don't know about all uh, Thank you, but God's doing cool things. I appreciate that. God's doing cool. If, hey, if you're new to our church, um, today's your first Sunday, welcome. Man, we realize that through the summer, we see a lot of new families. Actually, since Easter, I think we've seen like 40 new families uh, come through our, our doors. And we realize that some people are just here for, for a Sunday. And I hope you know that whether you're here for one Sunday or you plan to be here for the next 50 years of Sundays, we just want to be here for you and love on you. But to do that, we just kind of get to know you. Take advantage. Fill out that card that's in your seat and drop it by the Connections tent. Uh, number one, we just want to give you a, a gift to say thank you for worshiping with us. It's a, it's a cool coffee mug. And if, if you never come, plan to come back, um, uh, you can drink coffee of it and out of it and remember to pray for our church. If you don't drink coffee, put something in it and just drink out of it, okay? And remember to pray for Vintage Church. Uh, you are going to get a series of emails from us. We're not going to blow your inbox up, but we just want to send some emails saying, hey, thank you for worshiping with us. What, can, what questions can we answer? How can we pray for you? Do you need our church to come alongside of you in any way? So take some time to fill that out. Um, also, just quickly, remember uh, two weeks from today, Sunday evening, June the 25th at 6 p.m., we're going to hang out here in what we call party in the parking lot. And it's just a chance for us to kind of get out of the rows of this room every Sunday and kind of hang out together as a church family. We're going to have a bunch of food and have a bunch of cornhole boards to come out and hang out, some, some activities for kids. Uh, uh, DJ Dakota Swaney is going to be here mixing it up. Like DJ to church, yeah, that's how we roll, man. We're going to have a good time out here tonight uh, or, or on the 25th. So mark your calendars for that, especially if you're new and you're like, man, I just want to get to know some new people and just kind of fellowship. That's the point of that night is just us to come together as a church family, hang out in the parking lot. There'll be people from our early service too that maybe you haven't had a chance to meet and we're just going to have a great time together that evening. So mark your calendars Sunday evening, June the 25th at 6 p.m. and we'll have an awesome time together. Uh, But today we are in part two of a series that we're calling This Is Vintage. And this series is just kind of born out of God just doing some things in my heart over the last several months. On June the 24th, it will be 10 years ago that my wife Ashley and I left um, a church we were pastoring at in South Carolina and came up here to start this church. 
And man, 10 years goes by fast. Wow. I mean, it's just, yeah, thank you. If this church has impacted your life, um, God's done crazy things in 10 years. It's just been cool to watch. And I've just been reflecting on that time and just kind of, you know, the further you get from something being created, the easier it is to drift from why it was created. Does that make sense? Like, the further we get from why something was created, the e- it's really easy to drift from why you started it. And, and I just want to make sure as we move forward as a church that we stay true to who God called us to be. And we never allow that mission to get diluted or we never allow ourselves to get distracted. And it's really easy to do that, and especially in a church like ours in 10 years. And it's easy to get wrapped up in trying to build a building and all these other kind of things. And I've just been reminded that why we came here was not so that we could fill rooms. Why we came here was not so that we could buy land or build a building. We came here because we wanted to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. That's the heart of why we're here. And it doesn't matter what culture's doing or what's happening around our church, that that will always be why we exist. And so I'm just constantly asking myself that question, God, are are we doing the best we can as a church at accomplishing why you created us? Are we doing the best we can in inspiring people to live and love like Jesus? And, and what do we need to do better to make that happen? Not what do we need to do better to build a building or, or get more people in the room. What do we need to do better to inspire people to live and love like Jesus? And to me, like, God's just been teaching me a lot about this whole issue of, of trust. Because I told you last week, we asked that question a lot. What, what does God want from me? And at its core, the more I study scripture and the more I dive into the word and the better I understand God as I work out my own salvation, I feel like all I keep hearing God say to me is just trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me. Because if you'll trust me completely, you'll follow me consistently. And when I look at the life of Jesus, whose life that we're trying to mirror when we say inspiring people to live and love like Jesus, Jesus fully trusted the Father, and it was why he was so obedient. And if until you completely trust, you'll never consistently follow. Come on, amen? Until you completely trust, you'll never consistently follow. As long as there's areas of your life that you don't completely trust him, there'll be areas that you're not fully obedient. And God kind of just gave me this word. I shared it with you last week. God does not want you to follow him blindly. He wants you to trust him completely. God does not want just these blind puppets that just kind of follow. He wants people who completely trust him. And if we're going to live in love like Jesus, we have to continually engage the things that will deepen our trust in him. Because if we're supposed to be trusting God more and more and more and more, we have to acknowledge that we are working against an enemy, amen, that's trying to erode that trust in him. He's trying to leverage the things that we're experiencing in our lives to kind of get us to doubt that we can trust God. If you go all the way back to the beginning, when mankind was created, enemy, the enemy's first attack on Adam and Eve was to get them to doubt God, right? Amen? Trying to get their trust in him to erode. Because if, if the enemy can get you to distrust God, he can convince you that you don't need to follow God. And so we have to be willing to engage the things that are trust builders. 
We have to make an effort within ourselves to counteract those things that are trying to erode our trust. And now I believe that God can use anything as a trust builder. I think God uses everything as a trust builder. Come on. I think even the most painful, difficult, hardest seasons of your life, God can leverage to build trust for him in you. Amen? If you've been through it, If you've been through a, a, a terrible negative thing and God has somehow used it to trust him deeper, will you say amen? amen? Thank you. But I think that there are other things that we can do. And you know what? That's what we have to do as a church. Like this is vintage. This is, if we're going to inspire people to live in love like Jesus, then we have to do things, provide opportunities for you to grow in your faith. And I told you there are four things that we're trying to do as a church that will help you deepen your trust in, in God. Because I think one is, one is understanding Scripture. Like, if you're going to grow in your trust in God, you have to understand Scripture. Now, I intentionally don't say reading Scripture. I'm talking about understanding God's Word. Really understanding from Genesis to Revelation who God is and what He desires for your life and what, he, and what His commands are, what His boundary. Like, understanding all that God has said through the revelation of His Word. If you're going to grow in your trust in God, you've got to know who He really is. And the only way to know who He really is is to read the Word of God. Amen. I'll say it again. I say it often. Life will paint an inaccurate portrait of who God is. And the only way to recalibrate that image is to get in the Word of God. Because that's who he really is. Who he is on the pages of Scripture is who he really is. Understanding the Word of God is key. I think building relationships is a huge part of growing our faith. Man, over the last several months, God has just brought so many cool new people into my life that are encouraging and, and inspiring. And I'm just reminded that, like, the first time that God said something wasn't good was when he noticed Adam was alone. Like, we're not meant to do this thing called life in isolation. Amen? We're not. We're not. We can't do it alone. We, and, and we need relationships. I think serving others is an amazing way to grow our faith. That through serving other people, God uses those seasons and those moments and those times to grow our faith and trust in Him. Man, I never felt that more than while we were in Haiti recently when we took a team down there. And God just teaching me so much through serving other people. I think sharing our faith is a huge way to grow our trust in Him to getting, engaging people who don't think like us or believe like us or have the same uh, 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 morality and things that we do, engaging those group of people with the message of Jesus and having a mission field and taking that, that, that message into that mission field to help people understand who God really is. And so as a church, we try to design things that help us engage these, these aspects. You know, we're not, we're not trying to be the Golden Corral Church where there's just all this big buffet of ministry. Like, there's a few things that we want to do, and we want to do it well, and we want to leverage them to the best of our ability to help you deepen your trust in God. So we do an experience on the weekends to help you understand Scripture. Like, the main point of this gathering every weekend is to, for us to communicate a truth from God that you can take and that you can apply to your life and that you can use, and it can radically change your life. We want to create an atmosphere that allow you to build relationships through what we call life groups that'll get you out of rows and into circles of people and get you the support and accountability and care and encouragement that you need to make it in this difficult thing called life. We want to create an opportunity for you to serve other people through ministry teams to use what God has given you to serve other people and it's that service that grows your faith and allows the mission of the church to grow and we want to create an, a platform 
to reach outside the walls of this church through outreach initiatives to engage people that otherwise we wouldn't be able to minister to. And so over the next few weeks, like we're just going to unpack some of these a little bit deeper and kind of give you a better idea of, of, of why we do what we do and what we're trying to accomplish that. And today I want to talk about Sunday mornings and, and, and this experience. And I know that we live in a culture that's starting to say or believes that, that the people of God coming together maybe isn't still necessary or maybe isn't powerful or whatever, but I just, I firmly, a deep conviction I have within my heart as I read the Word of God is there's something powerful and beautiful about the people of God coming together under one roof. That when we gather together, God does amazing things. And I read passages like this in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You notice that those first few words of verse 25, not giving up meeting together. Like we need to come together as the body of Christ to do to do worship and to experience his truth and just to come together and to get outside the distractions. I believe there's something powerful that happens when we come under this roof. You know why? Because I've seen it. You know, it's funny. There's people, people decades ago built this building. And as they were building this building, they thought they were creating a structure where basketball and volleyball would be played. Little did they know, Amen. That, that God had ordained this building in this room for a greater purpose. And that as they're laying these blocks and building this building, and, thinking, and, and people would ask, the people that would work on this job, what are you building? A gymnasium for the middle school. When all along God was saying, no, you're not. You're building a building that will house a movement of God where people's lives will be changed. And I've watched it happen in this room. Time after time again, I've watched people come down and kneel on this extremely filthy floor covering <laughs> and give their lives to Jesus and surrender addictions and pray prayers that I've had the pleasure of maybe a month, a year, or two years down the line watch happen. Last Sunday in, in, this, in this service, we prayed over a brother who's so whose grandchild is going through a really, really difficult time. And, and after that service, someone posted a social media picture of this floor, and you could see it wet with teardrops. Like that's the kind of beautiful thing that can happen when the people of God come together. There have been hundreds of people that have gone through the waters of, of, of baptism in, in what man made as basically a feeding trough for animals that we use to fill with water from time to time and allow people to go public with their faith in Jesus. And we've watched hundreds of those people go through those waters because there's something that happens that's beautiful and powerful when the people of God come together under one roof. And so we, we wanted to create an experience and we still want to leverage this experience for those purposes. And, and when we started this thing, when we, when we were first had, had this whole concept of, of Vintage Church starting to be born in our hearts, what we wanted more than anything was to create an, an experience that you would desire to attend. A, an experience that you would desire to attend. That you would wake up on Sunday mornings and just not think, oh, doggone, we gotta go to church today. 
Because we've had seasons where we did that, right? I woke up and I'm like, it can't be Sunday again. We've got to go to church. Like, we've all had those moments where we woke up, and, and even I've had it, and I was the pastor. We're like, we get up on Sunday morning. We wanted a place where you would, would desire to attend, where you would wake up on Sunday mornings, and it wouldn't be, oh, man, i got to go get my blue suit. It's my only suit, and it stinks, but i got to wear it. And, oh, i got, I got to go to church today. Let's get this over with. Or, you know what, I, I don't really want to go. I'd rather be doing this. I'd rather be doing that. Like, we hope to create an experience that, like, you would, you would want to attend. A, an experience so cool and powerful on Sunday mornings that you'd wake up and not think, oh, man, i got to go to church. You'd wake up and think, it's Sunday. I get to go to church. I get to go be with my church family. I get to go experience something beautiful and powerful. Psalm 122.1, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Like, that's what we wanted. That when we wake up, and we, and we woke up on Sunday morning, we were glad to show up on Sunday morning. And, and we're very intentional about trying to create an experience here on Sunday that you, you desire to attend. And now we get, can I just go ahead and let the guilt out of the room? Not everybody can be here every Sunday. And I know you probably have pastors that you missed a Sunday and, and heaven was falling apart, right? It's, just, it's crazy. But we wanted to be a place where when you woke up, we, you wanted to be here. And you know what, when you couldn't be and, and when your life took you in other places, you missed it because you knew God was doing something powerful here. And that's why we, like, you know, that's why we put people out in the parking lot because you know what, we want from the time people pull in that parking lot, they see the face of somebody and that when they look into that face, they feel, this is a place where I'm wanted. This is a place where I'm loved. This is a place where People care that I'm here. Because can we all be honest? We've walked into churches before and people looked at us like we had a booger hanging from our nose. Yes, I said that from the platform. Welcome to Venice Church. Like, like when people think, we walked into churches and people are like, uh, new people at 12 o'clock. Edna, go get on our pew. Don't let them sit on our pew. Go guard our pew. Come on. Like we wanted a place where you could come. And you know what? That's why like a host team is out there to say good morning, to smile at you, because we know just getting here is a difficult thing, to help you know where to take your kids if you have them, where the bathrooms are, just so that there's no confusion and chaos, because confusion and chaos can, can just kill your desire to be here and allow God to do something in your life. And let me just go ahead and say, the way we do things on Sunday morning, there's, let me just go ahead and let you know something. Nowhere in all of Scripture does it say, this is how you're supposed to do church. Nowhere does it say this is the kind of music you're supposed to do and this is the kind of chairs you're supposed to sit in and this is the kind of building it's supposed to Like, it doesn't say that anywhere. You know why? Because I don't think God really cares. And now the way we do church, I'm not saying we do it the best of anybody on the planet. The way we do church is reflection of the personalities of the people that God's put in leadership at our church. And I know people come in like, it's too dark. Well, number one, we're in a gym. Give us a little bit of a break. But can I also say to you, like during worship especially, there is intentionally dark because our hope is that you are not focused on any other person in this room but the creator of the universe, the Holy Spirit of God, and you're not distracted by the people that are worshiping around you, and you're not afraid to get crazy in worship and worried that other people can see you. It's too loud. Again, number one, we're in a gym. Number two, it's proven that at a certain volume, you're more willing to sing out if you think other people can't hear you. 
and you're willing to gauge in worship. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, they have to get it a certain volume so that they can not hear me. Okay? Like, I'm down here singing my guts out. And if the band can hear me, it's going to be bad for everybody. There's times they leave my mic on, and you'll see them pulling their ears out thinking, what, who is dying? What's happening in my ears? Can I just say thirdly, too? If you don't like loud worship, you're going to hate heaven. Do you notice how many times, whenever it talks about worship in heaven, it's about shouting. And it's loud and boisterous. And you know, there's a, and, and, and again, the kind of music that we do, let me just say, do you think that God stopped writing hymns in the 1800s? They, some of the best hymn writers in the history of the Christian church are alive on this planet today, writing beautiful, biblical, theologically deep hymns. Sometimes just stop and read the words that are on these lyrics. And our team does such an amazing job of giving real deep meat. Not three-line choruses that we sing for 85 minutes. And music is such a subjective thing. You know, I thought, and, you know, everybody has a different take on music. But you know what? If we tried to just like cater to everybody's preferences, even we would go crazy. Because if I went in your car right now and said, okay, we're going to design worship music around your presets. You got 102 jams and 93 one to wolf. And we wouldn't know what to do. We confused as it could be about how, what kind of music that, that would appeal to everybody. And you know what? I don't care what kind of music that we do. That Our goal more than anything was that what would come from this platform would, number one, be biblical and theologically correct, and second of all, be brought to you from people who were up here and their hearts and minds and lives were connected deeply to Jesus so Jesus would just pour out of who they are. That's what matters. We wanted to create an experience you would desire to attend so that we could have you encounter a God who gets your attention. See, attendance ain't enough. Like, just showing up, like, we didn't want you just to show up. We don't want just attendance. We want you to give God your attention. That when you got in this room, and because it was designed in such a way that made you want to continue to come, when you got in this room, that you would experience a God who would get your attention. Can I just go ahead and say, God ain't impressed with your attendance. And I think somebody like, well, I'm here. I showed up. And it's like, because you got here, because you got in the room, and just because you sat here, and you go home like, yep, we did it. Check it off the list. We went to church today. God's impressed. Woo, yeah. And Jesus said, you showed up. Like, that's not, like, God wants more than, than your attendance. He wants your attention. I am convinced, deep within my heart, that every Sunday you show up in this room, God has something for you. And it may be whatever we have planned, or it may be something completely different. But because you took the time to get out of the normal routine, to get out of your house, to get out of your bed, to show up in this room, and to give him your attention, he's speaking truth into your heart that you need that can change your life. But attendance won't allow that to happen. That you will give him your attention. 
And that's why you acknowledging God in this room is the most important thing to our church. Again, if you leave this place, there's two things I've always said that I I can deal with a lot. I don't care if you leave here and say, like that preacher, he's crazy, he's weird, he yells too much, he doesn't wear the right clothes for me, whatever. Or the music is not my thing, that's all fine. But two things I will never be okay with is number one, people walking away and saying those people didn't love me. And number two, God wasn't there. Because I think if you can get in a place where you know you're loved and a place where you know God is present, then what we really hope will happen can happen. In Corinthians, when Paul's talking a lot about worship and what's going to happen and here in this baby church, when, you know, again, when, when the church was born, it was born in real diversity from the day of Pentecost. People of all different religions and backgrounds and cultures were coming together. And so Paul, a lot of Paul's writings are like trying to get them to figure out how to worship together as a group of people. And if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, start with verse 24, it says like, all right, if y'all come together, and if, and, but if all prophesy, if all start speaking the word of, of God, and an unbeliever or an outsider enters. In other words, if y'all are having church and somebody who doesn't believe has not yet accepted Jesus, when they come in, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, and I love this, he will worship God and declare that God is, is really among you. Like, that's what I want you to walk out. Not music was good or preaching. Like, when you leave, God was there. God was there. Because you have a God that wants to constantly get your attention. And my hope is that when you get in here, you're not satisfied with just attendance. I had had a friend who, he grew up in church and, and, he, they used to give out these pins for perfect attendance in Sunday school. So he had like the, the original badge, and then every year that you got perfect attendance, they'd add like another little piece. And literally, this thing would go from his chest to his belly button. And like had this, I've been to Sunday school for the last 15 years. So what? Come on. Just because you showed up doesn't mean anything. Like attendance is great. And it has, it has a lot of value and it creates possibility. But do you give God your attention? Like, a, never, get, we don't, never get satisfied with just showing up, with just attendance. God wants your attention. Because, see, if we create a place that you desire to attend and put you in a position where a God who cares about you and loves you can get your attention, then I think we can give you an opportunity to hear a truth you are inspired to apply. And see, this is where it's most important. Like every Sunday, we have a specific truth from the Word of God that we want to deliver to you. Something that you understand, something that's relevant to your life, something that is not only understandable, but is immediately applicable. Like you know what to do with it. You know how to apply it to your life. And it doesn't matter if you're in here and you've been walking with Jesus for 50 years or you're in here and you're still trying to figure this whole Jesus thing out that you've heard a truth that you know that you can do something with your life. And I would even submit to you, until we get to this place, we've accomplished nothing. That attendance is great. Attention is awesome. But if it doesn't go to application, we ain't done nothing. We have accomplished absolutely nothing. 
that ultimately our goal, our purpose in gathering here every weekend is so that you and I get a truth, a word from the Lord, a word from God that we can really apply to our lives. Something not only that we can hear, but something that we can do. See, I don't think God's impressed with our attendance. And I don't think he's satisfied with our attention. I think what he desires is application. Let me prove it. Um, Matthew chapter 7. Remember when Jesus told this parable? Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, if anyone hears these words of mine and... Like, I've got your attendance, I've got your attention, but and puts them into practice. Look at that. He says, if anyone hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. In other words, you don't just hear it. You don't just listen. You don't just acknowledge that the word of God is out there. You take that word. You wrestle with it. You chew on it. You allow it to sink deep into your heart to where you actually live it. He says, if anyone puts these words, they're like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But anyone, but everyone who hears these words of mine does and does not and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. In other words, if you don't show, if you show up but don't step up, he says you're a fool. If there's attendance and attention without application, Jesus says, that's just foolish. You with me? Say amen. He says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them to practice is like a foolish man to build his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. See, we wanted to create a place that you would desire to attend. We wanted to uh, put you in a place for where a God who loves you can get your attention. But we wanted to give you a truth that you are inspired to apply. Because see, just knowledge and information is not enough. Knowing the word of God will not change your life. Applying the word of God is what will change your life. See, we can have all the knowledge and all the information in the world, but it does not change us just in knowledge and information alone. Let me give you just a really practical, real-life example that we can all relate to. Like, you don't have to be, you don't have to have a master's degree in nutrition to know that if you had a choice between a good, healthy salad and a box of donuts, which is better for your life? Now, every, most of somebody said, donuts, bro. Like, if you don't need a college degree in nutrition to know that donuts are not as healthy for you as a salad. Like, if you're going to get fit, if you're going to get healthy, if you want to lose weight, and you got the options of salad and donuts, like, we know that the donuts aren't as good for us 
as the salad. Even when they're duck donuts. Have y'all heard of these? Glory, hallelujah, amen. Y'all just had the most religious experience of the entire morning when I opened that box. <laughs> it's like, see, we know, like, the inf- we, we have the knowledge and information to know that there are certain foods that are healthier for us that will help us to get fit than others. And we know, like, if it's a salad or if it's donuts, like, we know which to choose. But, doggone. Let me just kind of come over here a little bit. I mean, seriously. Look, you, you, I see you eyeballing me, man. I won't ask you, do you want some? Because you'll lie to me in church. You may say, I don't want any. You want any, but you may not take any. Sir, would you like a donut? Wait, watch your sorry. Do you want to smell them? I really do want one. If you'll notice, there are three missing. Because as I walked through the crowd in first service, three greedy folks took donuts from me. <laughs> like we know, like, uh, like knowledge. I'm talk- we're talking about knowledge and information. Like we're equipped with that. And if we have a big box of these and a good salad full of kale and lettuce and all those other things that rabbits eat, like we, if knowledge and information says, like we, we know that knowledge and information, but can we be honest? Most of us still choose the donut. And now let's apply that to so many arenas of our lives. The things that are happening in our lives aren't because we lack knowledge and information. For most of us. But we still choose the donut. I'm just going to leave these open right here and let y'all keep smelling them. And see what the reality is. Knowledge and information don't have the power to do anything in our lives if we don't have the courage to apply that knowledge and information and live out the word of God. Knowing will not change your life. Doing, living out the word of God, taking the truth that we have heard in this room. See, just being here today and hearing the word of God, you can feel better about yourself and you walk off and you can check off a box. But every Sunday as the word of God is preached, if you have the courage to step across the threshold from knowing to doing, then and only then can things really begin to happen in your life as God intended it to be. That's exactly what James was saying. Remember in James chapter 1, verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks, him, looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks intently into the perfect, of, in the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, be, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. I love that. See that? Not a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. That's what God's looking for. See, attendance, it will create possibility. Attendance creates possibility. Your willingness to, to get up and to come into this room and faithfully be here when you can be here and open yourself up. Like attendance, that's a good step. Giving God your attention, that creates potential for something really, really good and cool to happen in your life. But it's application that unleashes the power.
So let me ask you a question. What do you know that you need to do? What do you know that you need to do? See, a lot of times we make this choice because it just seems more desirable, tastes better. Especially that one right there is bacon maple. And see, every day we have decisions, we have choices, and we have to wrestle. God's word said, you know what? Not only if you physically sleep with another woman, but if you look at her lustfully, you've committed adultery. And so we have to decide to apply that with what we do with our eyes. God's word says, you've heard that whole eye for an eye thing. I tell you, if he slaps you on one cheek, turn your other. That you ought to forgive your enemies. That loving those who love you is easy. Come on, I could go through, the, I'm just going through my own personal list. What do you know that you need to do? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me? Will you wrestle with that question for a few moments for me? What do you know that you need to do? Another Bible study, ain't gonna do it. Another you version plan, that's great, but it ain't gonna change nothing. What do you know that you need to do? What do you know that you need to do? Will you just ask that question, God, what do I know that I need to do? And I think there's everybody in the sound of my voice, no matter how faithful you are, no matter how much in love with Jesus you claim to be, there's things that you know that you need to do. God, what do I know that I need to do? I know I don't need to worry, but sometimes I choose to. I know I need to get my temper in check. But now I've got to have the courage to do it. I know I need to ask for forgiveness. But now it's just time to confess it and get it out in the open. What do you know that you need to do? Father, I pray right now that you would help us to wrestle with that reality, wrestle with that question. What do we know that we need to do? That God, you're not impressed with us just attending church. You're not impressed with us just giving you our attention. That it's all to lead to a time of application where we allow what we've heard, what we know about your word, what we've heard spoken from you to not only just be out there in our minds and hearts, but to come out in the way that we live our lives. God, help us to wrestle with the things that we know that we're not doing. And may today be a pivotal, changing moment in the lives of so many in this room. God, as we worship you now, speak to hearts. Change lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand. Let's worship, church. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.